This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. That's right. It's brought down some of that rain on in ER, the Rafur Shalema. So that you should, if it's raining outside, you should open your mouth and you should drink as much rain as you can and it'll, it'll heal anything that's going on in your body. I brought it down from two different Svarim last year, whatever it is. It might look a little weird, people walking up and down Avenue J, you know, their mouth open, but you don't have to do it on the street. You can do it, you know, next to your house if people don't have to see it and ask questions. Anyway, but I, it's a big school of, for, in, in ER, ER stands for Ani Hashem Reif Echa, I am Hashem who heals you. It's a very big month for Rufua, not only physical Rufua, but Nishama Rufua. And that's why we're in Svira. Svira is a very good time. We, we, we're going to discuss, not tonight, the difference between Netzach and Hod and Yisod and all the different, seven different things that we have during the Svira. But tonight I want to talk a little bit about Lakh Omer, actually, which is um, coming up next week on Thursday night and Friday. So next week they'll discuss about different halachists when Lakh Omer is on Erev Shabbos. Baruch Amen. We know on Lakh Omer, we're going to see Lula, the Rav Shimon, very big, everyone goes up to Meron. The truth is, what's the understanding of why we celebrate the day um, that Rav Shiva Yechai died, you think it's be a sad day, right? And it's a Hilula. It's a, it's a, it's a happy day. And why specifically Rav Shiva Yechai? Why not Rabbi Akiva? Rabbi Yechonim ben Zakkai? Greater, bigger people, right? So the main reason is that Rav Shiva Yechai brought down to this world, he brought down the Zayar. He brought down the Kabbalah. He brought down the secrets, the secrets of the Torah, he brought down from Shemayim, and he put it into a sefer, which after you're 40 years old and you're in the right derech and you're doing the right thing, that a normal person, right, he may not understand all the secrets of the Zayar, but he can learn Zayar. And that was impossible before Abshim and Baichai brought it down into this world. It was in the other Ilamais. It was in a different world. It was only for very, very, very big people. He brought it down to the regular human being on this world, and that's a very big simcha. It's a very big simcha um, to celebrate that somebody brought all these secrets down for Klai Yisrael to learn, not for uh, Michigan actresses in California and Kabbalah centers, which is all which is all witchcraft and baloney and tumah, and you shouldn't believe in any of these people, and anything that they do comes from the, from the shadim, comes from the dark side, because these are tumadika people. You can't, you can't be a, a, a rock singer named Madonna and say that you're learning Kabbalah when you're, when you're a low-life piece of matun of garbage who your whole life is pure Tumah and then you're quoting Kabbalistic sayings. It cannot be. It doesn't mix. It's like, it's like water and oil. So, so even though Rabbi Shem Raichai brought this down, this is for people who are Working on themselves, who are pure, who do, to, who keep Torah mitzvahs. Person who's mechal Shabbos, who doesn't keep Shabbos, who doesn't keep the, certain mitzvahs, it's not a person to go to these, you know, Kabbalists, Mekubalim. You have to find out, like I always tell you, you have to find out who their Rebbe is. That's the Kabbalah they're playing around with. Is is the magic of it? It's not. It's not the the Torah and the nefesh and the deepness. And if you get involved with such people, your neshama is just going to get extremely hurt. And you're going to run yourself into very, very big problems. So what he brought down was not for the Kabbalah Center and those people. He brought it down for us at a certain age 
when we're settled and your person's 40 and a person's Kaddish and a good time to learn Zayar and a person's on that level is, is a Matzah Shabbos it's still before by Malava Malka when you still have the Neshama Yisera on Shabbos you have to be on a certain point but it was impossible to, to, to reach impossible until he brought it down to this world and it's brought down that, that because he brought it down to this world that's going to bring Mashiach now it's very mis, misinterpreted because you, because you can learn Kabbalah it's going to bring Mashiach Kabbalah is going to bring Mashiach that's not what's meant tonight I'm going to try to explain what, what, what is meant so it's brought down like this it's brought down a statement I'm going to translate it into English that I believe that it was, it was said by Rabbi Yosef and he said that I will sit in the shadow is what he said I will sit in the shadow of the manure of the donkey of Mashiach and I will learn that's what he said. I will sit in the shadow of the manure of the donkey of Mashiach and I will learn. Very hard statement to understand. Um, you can't, first of all, I'm just right now learning, I'm in the middle of the Gemara in Brachis. You can't sit by manure and learn. Number one, manure is, is the excretion of a, of a donkey, of any animal. You're not allowed to sit. There's machoikis, dry, not dry, how far, Abba, Amos, Tana, whatever. Right? But you're definitely not allowed to sit in the shadow of the manure of the donkey of Mashiach and learn. That's for sure. Because you're not allowed to learn when there's, when there's manure on the floor. So, so what does that mean? What, what does this mean? What is he saying over here? So I'm sure you understand that. What he's saying over here is that in the times of Mashiach, we're going to be able to learn Torah in the shadow of manure. And the expression means that, and this is what we're going to speak about tonight, in the times of the Tanoim, right? So you sat at your Rebbe's feet. The Gemara talks about it. You sat at your Rebbe's feet. And you learned Torah. And it was very, very holy. And there was a fire around them when they were learning. But what, what, what the Gemara is saying is going to be a time, the time of Mashiach, that's not what's going to be going on. You're going to, be, you're going to have a Yeshiva or Yitzchak, right? Chaim Berlin, Mir Yeshiva, Tovadas, any Yeshiva. And it's going to be in Brooklyn. Right? And it's going to be on East 15th Street. Right? And if you go one block over, there's a studio, a movie studio, where they film soap operas. So, or Yitzchak, this yeshiva, and many of the other yeshivas, are in the shadow of a studio where they're filming filth. So, what the Gemara is saying, that the times of Mashiach, the Torah that we're going to learn is going to be in the shadows. It's going to be in Brooklyn, in New York, in the United States. They're going to be yeshivas in the shadow of manure, spiritual manure. And that's going to be at the feet of Mashiach. When Mashiach comes, that's where Torah is going to be. Torah in America, which, which we think doesn't touch the Torah that was in Europe, and the Torah in the times of Chassam Seifa, and for sure, Torah in America doesn't touch the Torah that was in the times of the Beis HaMikdash. Zak the Gemara, wrong. That in the times of Mashiach, in the end of the world, at the time when Hashem will be known to the whole world, the yeshivas and the Arnavas and the Beis Yaakovs and the boys learning Torah are going to be learning Torah in the shadow of movie screens, of internet. Of your face and my face and their space and that space. Of rock and roll. 
of black culture, of filth on the streets, of drugs. And in this manure, in the shadow of this manure, there's going to be a shear every Tuesday night at 10.15 or 10.30 or quarter to 11 or <laughs> 10 o'clock, depending whenever he gets here, right? And there's going to be a shear. There's going to be a hundred guys in the shadow of a 10.30, what's going on in New York City at 10.30 at night, I don't have to tell you, of all the filth and all the dirt that's going on around us and in Atlantic City and in all the poker games and all the garbage that we know all about. There's going to be a shear in the middle of that. And there's going to be a TorahAnytime.com in the middle of an internet that is full of chat rooms and filth and dirt. And there's going to be a kalalashan that you could call to listen to shiurim in the middle of a telephone system that has 900 numbers and 800 numbers and calling all kinds of perverted and disgusting and filthy things. And in the middle of all that, there's a phone number you can call that you can get 80 different shiurim daf yoimi and any kind of share that you want. That's what the Gemara is saying. Gemara is going to say that in our times, boys, in the times of Mashiach, we're going to sit and learn Torah in the shadow of the manure of the donkey. And who made that possible? Of Shemim Vayichai, by bringing the Torah, this, these secrets, down from Shemayim into this world to help us, to protect us, to give us secrets and insights that are going to help us in this world of manure, of filth and dirt, to be able to learn Torah. The Gemara says like this. There's a, there's a Gemara in, in Sanhedrin. talks about Chizkiyahu. Chizkiyahu, you have to know who Chizkiyahu was. Chizkiyahu was a Melech Yisrael. And it says that in the times of Chizkiyahu, the children, the children, the little children that walked the streets, Nukala Tarakula. His generation was educated that every single kid, there was no kid at risk, there was no kid thrown out of yeshiva, there was none of this. In Chizkiyahu's generation, every single kid was on the level that they know they knew Kolatarikula. He was in Yerushalayim, the famous story. Sancherev, who was the king, who came down with his armies to wipe out Yerushalayim to the ground. The Gemara says there were hundreds of thousands, but they translate the Gemara that there were hundreds and thousands of generals that there were millions of soldiers. He brought soldiers from all over the world to raise down Yerushalayim to the floor. Everybody knows the story. They surrounded Yerushalayim. Sancherev came with this huge army. And that day that he came, he could have destroyed Yerushalayim. That day he could have destroyed Yerushalayim. But when he took a look at Yerushalayim, he said, this little city... With this little wall, this is why I brought millions of soldiers? Everybody relax. Tomorrow we'll go. We'll, 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 if everyone spits, the whole army, all they all spit at Yerushalayim, they'll all drown. That's how many people they were. He says, like, this is silly. And, his, and, and, and he was told by his advisors, his stargazers, to do it that day, but he didn't take it seriously. And that night, we all know the, the miracle that happened, that it says that Chizkiyot did nothing. Right, he said, tell him he went to sleep, whatever it was. They got up the next morning, and a malach had come in the middle of the night and killed out the whole army except for ten people. They left a minion of them. 
One of them was Nebuchadnezzar, that was left alive. And they were totally wiped out, decimated, one, except for ten people. Now, it says that Chizkiyahu was the smallest in the Muna. Between the three people, he was the smallest in the Muna. So everybody asked, what are you talking about? He went to sleep. He believed in Hashem so much, right? He said, God, I can't do anything. You deal with it. He went to sleep. He woke up in the morning. They were all gone. So what do you mean? He's the least in the Muna. He's the most in the Muna. He put all the Muna in Hashem. So my, my Rav, Rabbi Weinfeld, said a beautiful tarot, I believe from his father, and he said, to totally do nothing and depend on Hashem is not the greatest Amunah. Why? Because what he did, when he got up in the morning, he realized it was Hashem. There was no Kreichem Oitzim Yadi. If he would have hired an army and they would have gone out like the Maccabees and they would have killed, each guy would have killed 10,000 soldiers. It would have been a big miracle. But they could have said, Bakochba, you know, Maccabees, we're strong, you, you know, we, we, we have something to do with it. For a person to leave everything to Hashem and then say, oh, with all Hashem, that's not the greatest amuna. The greatest amuna is to go to work and work hard and, and buy the right stock and make $5 million, and then buy a building, and flip the building and make $10 million, and then buy a couple of more buildings, and all of a sudden you have $100 million, you flip 10 buildings, you bought the right stock, you invest it all over, and say, I have nothing to do with it. It has nothing to do with me, it's all Hashem. That's a Muna. Buying a lotto ticket and winning, it's not a Muna. Buying a lotto ticket and winning, so you walk around and say, Hashem did a miracle. Of course Hashem did a miracle, you didn't do anything. When you do something, and you realize that you did nothing, that's the greatest Amuna. So Chizkiyahu was on the lowest Amuna because, because when he got up in the morning, they were all dead. <laughs> Thank you, Hashem. But to live life, guys, everyone thinks that to depend on miracles, that's the greatest Amuna. That's not the greatest Amuna. What's compared to Kriyas Yamsuf? What's compared to Kriyas Yamsuf? Panasa and Shiduchim. The two things that you think you have control over. Those are the two biggest miracles. Because when you go for Shaduchim, you check her out, you check this out, you think you put on the right aftershave, you look good, you lost 20 pounds, she likes my car, I set it up, I said what she wanted to hear, I checked her out, da, 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 you know? And then if you make the Shidduch, and you're standing on a little chuppah, and you're like, this really has nothing to do with me. I mean, I had nothing to do with this. I don't even know why she likes me. Hashem, I love you. I, you pulled this off. That's as hard to say that's Kriyas Yamsuf. That's, that's the hardest thing. And Parnasa, to go out and work and make a good deal, yeah, of course, everyone blames on Hashem when they don't make money. Oh, I did something wrong. It's probably a kapara. But when you make money, it's very hard. It's like Kriyas Yamsuf. It's very hard to see that's like Kriyas Baruch hand. So Chizki Yoz and Muna was not as great because he left it all up to Hashem. So he, you understand? He, he, there was no Kaychem Yatim Yadi. If he would have gone out to fight... And he would have won, and he would have said that even though I'm so strong and I'm a gibor and I'm oigmel chabash, ah, and it's all Hashem, that's, that's true Amunah. Anyway, Chizkiyahu got up the next morning, they were all dead. Right? It was very, very big. Now, the Gemara says that Chizkiyahu did not sing Shira. He got up in the morning, he saw everybody was dead, that's the time, 
to sing Oz Yashir. That's Mamash Kriyas Yamsuf. Maybe there were more, in fact, soldiers in, in Sancher. There were, for sure. More soldiers in Sancherev's army than there were in Paro's army. So this was amazing. But they all got wiped out. An army, fully armed army from all the whole world. He ran the whole world. Right? So, so it says that he did not sing Shira. He did not sing Tashem Shira. And the reason he didn't sing Shira says because he was a big shot. That's what it says. Because he was a big shot. So the Kash is Chizkiyahu, who was, who it says would have been Mashiach, was supposed to be Mashiach. Chizkiyahu, who ran a nation of yeshivas where every kid was a bucky new learning, was a big shot? Didn't sing Shira? This is the man that it says was supposed to be Mashiach? It doesn't make sense. So, they asked, why didn't he sing Shira? And he gave three reasons. And the three reasons were like this. His first answer was, Yishayo, the Navi came to him and said, you better go and sing Shira to Hashem. It's time to sing Shira. Look what he did for you, right? So he answered three answers. He said, number one, what do you mean I should sing Shira to Hashem? We learn Torah. Everybody learns Torah. My whole generation learns Torah. My army learns Torah. Everybody learns Torah. Shira compared to Torah. I'm learning a good piece of Gemara. Right? Shnaim Oichsen Metalus. Right? Yachloiko. I'm learning the, I'm learning Shnaim Oichsen Metalus. I'm learning such a piece of Gemara. And you want me to stop learning Gemara and start singing? Torah's Kenege Kulam. Not interested. That was his first answer. His second answer was, what's the big miracle? He said, what's the big miracle? For Hashem, this is what he said. For Hashem, who stopped the sun in the times of Yahushua to kill two, three million, five million, six million soldiers, a malach to come and just knock them out, is a reason to sing Shira? If you stop the sun, now you're talking. That's the reason to sing Shira. But for Hashem, this is nothing. Okay, that was the second answer. The third answer, the reason that he told Yeshaya that he wasn't singing Shira, was, he said, that what happened, the Gemara says, that, or maybe it's the Medrash, I'm not sure it's the Medrash or the Gemara, but it says that Paro, Melech Mitzrayim, and who was the second king, um, and the king of, the king of Mitzrayim and the king of Cush were coming when they heard that Sanchera, who was pretty much the whole world, was going against Yushalayim, they came to fight together with Chizkiyahu against Sanchera. Sancherev captured them. They told Sancherev they were coming to help Sancherev. Sancherev didn't fall for it. So he chained the king of Mitzrayim, Paro, and the king of Cush. He chained them. And he said, we'll see tomorrow already what we're going to, we're going to, we're going to take your heads off. And then, that night, everybody died. So when Chizkiyahu came to the tents of the enemy, he found Paro, and, and, from Mitzrayim. Not that, not the same Paro, different Paro. And the king of, and they were, they were chained. So he knew, that they were coming to save him, because if they weren't coming to save him, the Malach would have killed them too. So he knew they were on his team, so he, he let them go. When he let them go, they ran all over the world, and they told everybody, they sent out, you know, emails all over the world, and they told everybody that God is, the God of the Jews is unbelievable. He just, just wiped out a nine million man army with all their tanks, with everything they had. So he said, why should we sing Shira? The world knows about it already. So these were, these were the three reasons that, that he gave that, that he, that they shouldn't sing Shiro. Okay. Now, there's a, an amazing, 
um, Yeshua ben Levi, he says in the Medrash, he says the following words. Ilu, Omar Chizkiyahu Shiro, Amal Pelasan Cherev, if Chizkiyahu would have sang Shiro on the downfall of Sancherev's army and him, Hoyanasahu Melech HaMoshiach, he would have become Moshiach, Chizkiyahu would have become Moshiach, with Sancherev, and Sancherev would have been counted as Goigu Magog. Samedrish. It would have all been over. It would have been over at that point. He would have been Mashiach. We see from here that in every door somebody could be Mashiach. He missed it. He messed up. That Chizkiyahu would have been Melech HaMoshiach. And the, the Sancherev being destroyed in the middle of the night the way he was would have been going Magog. And that would have been it. We would have had none of this. We wouldn't be here where we are now. We'd all be in Yushalayim. The base of Shlishi would have been built. And it would be amazing. But because, this is what he says, of Yeshua ben Levi, because Chizkiyahu did not sing Shira to Hashem for what he did, he lost it. He wasn't Mashiach. That wasn't Gog and Magog. And we're still waiting for Mashiach. So he explains it like this. This is by way of Shir from, from mostly from Rav Shem Pinkus. So he says like this. There's a, it says like this. It says, Esek, Esek Shemayim. Atzit Sha'al. There's greatness in Shemayim. I want to quote for you the exact Pasuk. That there's greatness in Shemayim, right? And that there's, there's just the same greatness in the Sha'al. Sha'al is where, where dead people are buried. In, in, in the, in the Tahayim, in the, in the deep. That there's greatness in Shemayim and there's greatness in the deep. Now, what does that mean? So I'm going to explain to you what that means. In Shemayim, right? We know there's greatness. There were Tanoim, we have Gemara, there's there's many great, great rabbis who learned Torah from Shemayim. But what does it mean that God goes down into the deep, into the deep, into the Sha'ol, into, into the graves, into the, into the low parts of the world? What does that mean? So Rosh Hashanah said something amazing, and I was when I heard it, I was, you know, sometimes I dance in the kitchen, I was dancing in the kitchen. He said something amazing. Listen to what he said. He said, I'm going to explain to you what godliness is. The difference between greatness and godliness. He said greatness, so there was this famous guy in the Torah, his name was Og. Right? Og was a giant. He was from the times of Noah. He was, Moshe Rabbeinu was 10, almost 20 feet tall, with his stick, with his hand, he hit him, he hit him on the ankle. Okay, this guy was big. Okay, you do the, you figure out the measurement of an ankle and the rest of a body, it's probably 120th, right? He was 20 feet tall. I guess his hand must have been at least 5 feet, that's 25 feet. I don't know how high his stick was, probably also 10 feet. It was like 35 feet and he hit his ankle. So he was hundreds of feet tall. Og. Huge! Now, imagine you went over to Og and you said, yeah, you, you, you think you, you think you're great. I want you to go to Mount Everest. And I want you to pull it out of the ground and pick it up. No sweat, man. Oh, goes over to Mount Everest. He picks it up. He rips it off. He says, no, what do you want me to do with it? Okay, put it back down. <laughs> no, I'll just leave it. You know, we don't want to rock. China got rocked this week. We don't want to rock it again, which is something else we all have to think about. Yeah, it's not, it's not simple that in China they had a, an earthquake and so many thousands of people died. And then a, a few days before that, they had an earthquake and probably... Not an earthquake, they had a typhoon which lasted 12 minutes. 
The main part of the storm lasted 12 minutes at 175 mile an hour winds with 15 feet waves. But Burma, where it happened, is probably the biggest place of avoid desert in the whole world. Every single house in Burma has an avoid desert. It's like mamish pure avoid desert. I'm not saying they deserved it, and who am I to say they deserved it? But 22,000 people and a lot more. Mamish Khorbin, but nothing in the physical world can happen unless it has something to do with us. We can't tell that to them because that would not make us very, them very happy. But we need to look when, when, when it's brought down. I don't want to go into it. It's brought down that many times the Rachmim and Shemayim, that there's a Gzardin on us. And Hashem doesn't destroy the whole Gzardin, He moves it from off Klaisrol onto the world. So really, the Tzaddikim, when they, hear, when they see something like this, they do tshuva because they understand that that um, typhoon and that earthquake should have happened in Eretz Yisrael or happened in Brooklyn. But in Hashem's Rachamim, it had to come to the world. Hashem broke the Xerah that it shouldn't happen to Klaishul, but it still had to come to the world. The, the other side, uh, I'm not going to make you crazy, but the other side has to get its due. So when, it, when, when there's supposed to be something coming to us, Xerah, and the Xerah for the last minute is pushed off, it, he still gets his due. It's not Jews, and it's not high neshamas, but he gets, he gets it from the other side of the world. So when you see these things happen, and 22,000 people die, and 10,000 people die, and children die, and there's starvation, and all these things, and it's what they call nature, we have to look at Klyosro. We have to know, well, that was close. That was supposed to be our storm. It's not a joke. So you, it's not something you just phase out. Oh, the storm in China, a bunch of Chinese, doesn't matter. It does matter. We need to look inside ourselves. It just means that there was a Xeron Klyosro that got pushed off to the world, which is not something we can depend on every time. So we need to dive into Hashem, and we need to do Kaparo when the rest of the world gets punished. If you look in Pirkei Avos, you'll see that many things come to the world. Ra'av comes to the world. Hunger, pestilence comes to the world. My Gefa. And the Mishnah doesn't say nature. It says because our Bezdins are not keeping their judgments, because certain things we're not doing. It's Mishnah Pirkei Avos. Look it up. So we know that all these things come to the world because of things that we are doing. It's a Mishnah. So when these things happen, we have to, we have to focus on and, and, and think about that we're very lucky this time and, uh, and that we need to do tshuva. Anyway, so, so Og puts this, puts this mountain back down. Greatness! That's greatness! If I tell you a guy can take Mount Everest, a guy can walk over to the Empire State Building and pick it up off the ground and put it down, you're going to say, Rabbi, that guy is, whoa, that's great. He's a superhero, and people are going to spend millions of dollars to go watch him on a movie screen. Superhero. He's a superhero. But I'll tell you what the game don't understand. <laughs> tell the same giant Og, okay, that's cool. Now, I want you to come to my backyard, and I have an ant hole in my backyard. You know the ants are coming out of the little hole? I want you to go into the ant hole. Are you crazy? I'm a giant. How can I get into the ant hole? Godliness... Listen carefully. I'm telling you something I never gave this share before. Godliness is able to take the mountain and rip it out and put it back and able to go into the ant hole. Greatness is one-sided. You can pull out the mount, you can pull up the mountain, but you can't get into the ant hole. What we're saying over here by Akkadish Baruch Hu is that his greatness is in Shemayim. He's in Shemayim in the highest Kisra Kovoid Above everything, but he's also in the ant hole. Because without him in the ant hole, the ant can't live. So God, that's godliness. Godliness is being on the top 
and crawl and being able to go into the bottom. And and that's what it says. Listen carefully. That's what it says that when Mashiach comes, we're going to learn Torah in the shadow of the donkey's garbage, which means the only way a person can learn Torah is if God gives you the Chachma and the Siat and the Shmaya to learn Torah, which means that God is willing to come down into the Antol, into Brooklyn, into the filth, into New York City, into other places. He's, he's willing to go into the house in South Fallsburg in the summer where guys and girls and drugs and everything is. He's, he's willing to go in there and to, and to bring guys to do tshuva. Those same guys that are in the antle, that are in the, the home, that are in the grave, how do they come out of the grave? How does someone become about tshuva? How does somebody change? Only because God is not great. God is God. It's much be- bigger than great. If God was great, then he'll only help Ramesha Feinstein and Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky and the big tzaddikim. God is God because he goes into the antle. Because he goes into the lowest place. Because he goes in the shadow of the donkey of Mashiach. Because in the times of Mashiach, there's not going to be any Mount Everest in Torah. There's not going to be any Empire State Building in Torah. It's going to be a bunch of us living in Manure, living in Brooklyn, living in Chicago, living in California. Shul's in Las Vegas. Yeshiva, Kyle in Las Vegas. I'm not telling you to go to a Kailu in Las Vegas. <laughs> but there is a Kailu in Las Vegas, and they are learning Torah. And there's a Kailu in Arizona, and there's Kailu all over the world. And the Batshu was coming from all over the world. And the only way that can happen, that doesn't come from greatness. Because greatness means greatness is only going after the Mitsuyanim. And that happens to be the problem of our Dar. That, that a lot of the rabbis, not rabbis, but whoever, whatever, don't understand that Mashiach's going to come in the shadow of the donkey's garbage, not by not from the Mitzuyanim. It's not going to come from the Mitzuyanim from learning Torah. That's not what it says. From learning Torah in the base Medrash, in the shadow of the Arna Kodesh. It's not what it says. So Mashiach's going to come from the guys who are learning in the dirt and in the filth, and they're willing to come out on a Tuesday night or or a Monday morning, or or guys who never have to go to work in Manhattan on Forty Seventh Street. And in the summer where no one's dressed, where you can't lift your eyes, and where guys came to you and say, Rebbe, I have to change my job. I can't go to work. I can't go to work. I can't open my eyes. And that same guy, 6 o'clock in the morning, he's learning Daf Yaimi. And that same guy comes home at night, and he's learning Daf Yaimi. And he has a Chavrusa. He's not learning in the shadow of the Kaidesh. He's learning in the shadow of 47th Street. Or wherever else he's working in Manhattan. Or Brooklyn. Or anywhere. And that's when Mashiach is going to come. Says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I'm going to go down into the grave. I'm going to go down into that guy's house who watches television, who goes to the movies, who watches the internet. And I'm going to go down and, and if he connects with me, if he wants to learn in the shadow, we'll learn. It says it in the Mishnah Pirkei Avos. What does it say? It says in the Mishnah like this. And that goes for any generation. It doesn't just say any generations of, of the Tanam. Ten people who learn Torah. God comes down to be with them. Any ten guys. How does the Mishnah end? The Mishnah ends. How do you know if one guy sits and learns Torah? He turns off his, 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 his computer. He turns off his music. And he opens up a Gemara. He opens up a Chumash. He opens up a Sefer. How do you know that Hashem is going to come into his room? 
His room was just full of all kinds of pictures on the on, on the screen. He's got books in the all over the place. That that uh, now he's learning Torah. Hashem, Hashem's coming into the room to learn with him. Zakti Mishnah. How do you know Hashem comes when there's one guy learning? Because it says, Any place. In the shadow of the dung of a donkey. Any place. That you mention my name? I will come. I know how to go into an ant hole. Says Hashem. And I will bless you. I will go into an ant hole. Because I'm not just great. I am God. And therefore, the first hallelujah in Hallel, boys, the first praise in Hallel, we say, Who is like Hashem, our God? He's enthroned on high. Okay, that's greatness. He sits high. But, Hamashbili, Hamashbili, he looks upon the heavens and the earth. Mikimi may offer dull. He raises the broken guy, the guy who's lost, the guy who's assimilated, the guy who's off the derech. Mikimi may offer dull. He raises the needy from the dust. May ashboys from the garbage, from the garbages. And guys, you know what the garbages are today. Yorim Evyon. He raises the destitute. What does he do with them? The guy's sitting in the garbage. He's filthy. He's dirty. He's done every avera you can imagine. Okay, Hashem, so you took me out of the garbage. You knew where are you putting me already? In the garbage truck. Where are you putting me? That you took me out of the garbage. So what do we say in the Tanah in the divim, in the dive amo. He's putting us to sit with the nobles, with the tzaddikim, with the Rav Yaakovs and the Rav Moshes. And there are Davids. And the, and the Tzaddikim, he's not taking us out of the garbage, he's not going to the ant hole and just putting us on the dirt. He's taking us from the lowest trash and garbage that we've done in our life. Because Baruch says, I will take you and I will make you a nobleman. I will make you higher than anybody else. That's godliness. That's above greatness. Because to get you, Hashem has to come down into our level, into our dirt. Gosh will transform the barren wife, the woman who cannot have any children. He will make her happy. Hallelujah. And that, that, has, that line has many, many meanings. But what it means is that Gosh Baruch is going to take the children and he's going, to up, he's going to upraise us. He's going to raise us up. He's going to take us from the dirt, from the filth. Every person in this room has to know, don't think, no matter where you went, no matter where you've been, don't think that you're stuck. God's not coming here to get me. God goes into places I won't go to get you. Because that's a Kurdish Baruch Hu. Because that's godliness. And he did not understand this. Cheskiyahu did not understand this. And you can't be Mashiach if you don't understand this. Mashiach, which is coming in our door, in our generation, to be Mashiach, a person has to understand that you got to go and you got to do kiruv, and you got to go into the dirt. And that kiruv, I'm not talking about going into a movie theater and pulling guys out. Into yourself. Into your dirt. You have to be a of yourself. One of the things the Yitzhah says, listen, you did this, you did this, you did this. Come on. 
Come on, you're disconnected, man. You're disconnected. Says the Kishbaruch, you never disconnected. I, as 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 in the worst place that you went, in the smallest, deepest hole, in the deepest tahayim, in rehab, wherever you are, I'm there. I'm there. I'll be there. I go there because I'm God. I'm not oig. And that's the difference between greatness and godliness. So, what was his mistake? So his mistake was like this. So why didn't Chizkiyo do this? So he says like this. And this is very connected, by the way. I'm going to connect it at the end. We're going to continue different shiraman. This is very connected to Rus and David. Because Rus came from the lowest place. And Mashiach comes from Rus. And that's the whole connection of this year. We're going to get to that soon. Rus came from the lowest place. Rus came from, in, from we can't call it incest, but incest of a father and his daughters. A father and his daughter. He, they thought the world was destroyed, but Lamaisa was a father and a daughter. It was Lot and his daughter. She came from Moab. Me'avi. Moab, she came from. Mashiach? Domina Melech? From, hello? Like, uh, he couldn't have like a good marriage? Yichus? You know, a nice good yichus to bring uh, David Amalek to the world. You have to have uh, the daughter of, of the king of Moab. Right? Her mother definitely didn't, Ruth's mother didn't go to the mikvah. She was a guy. Ruth's mother was a guy. So, like, she was a basnida. She came from a, right? We, hello? That's where you bring David Amalek? That's where you bring the whole malchus of us? Come on! Who would ever go out with such a shidduch? Who would go out with Rus? Who would go out with such a girl? A gear. But she wasn't Stamagir. She came from a king of Moab. It didn't come from a regular family. <laughs> she came from the king of Moab. So, why Hashem? It's a big question. This is the answer. This is the answer. The answer is that godliness is bringing a Mashiach from a, from a situation like that. Godliness is from any situation that a person's in. Is bringing a Mashiach, and we're going to learn about David Amalek. They thought he was a mamzer. He also came from such a situation, exactly the same type of situation, and it brings down, it brings down, in many different places, that Moshiach will come from a very low place, from a very unexpected place, and he himself won't know he's Mashiach. It'll be he'll know in the middle of his life he'll find out he's Mashiach, and he's going to come from the most unassuming place that you can imagine. Because the seed of Mashiach has to be hidden, because the Satan who knows that Mashiach is going to, because Mashiach is going to die, is always looking in the, in the, in the halls of pregnancy in Shemayim, where Nisham has come from, he's always looking for the Nisham of Mashiach, because he wants to destroy it so that he doesn't get destroyed. So Kishbok is going to bring Mashiach from a place that he wasn't looking, he wasn't looking in Lot and his daughters. He didn't even imagine that the Zera of Mashiach could come from such an act, so he didn't look there. Says the Zayah, so it was hidden there. Now, there's many questions. That's why I don't want to go there. What, Hashem has to hide things. He's scared of the Satan, whatever it is. The more B'derek HaTeva, that it has the less of a miracle, the better it is. So, so what, what Chizkiyot didn't understand, he did not understand that. He did not understand that. He did not understand that you have to sing Shira for something like this. He understood that you have to sing Shira, right, for, for stopping the sun. It's Torah, you know. Everyone knows about it already, and I'm learning Torah. But Torah, what he was learning Torah, has nothing to do with, has nothing to do with Shira. So I'll explain to you, there's a machlekes in the Gemara, 
how they sang Oz Yashir. Really, how do we learn Shira? We learn Shira from Oz Yashir. So the Zemachloik is how they sang. Rabbi Akiva says that Moshe Rabbeinu, right, started saying, and like for instance, just to give you for instance, the three way Machloik is that it went like this. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't say Oz Yashir Moshe. But he said like this. Ashir Hashem, ki The whole Klai Yisrael answered, Ashir Hashem. Sukhvarach boy Rama Vayam, the whole Klai Yisrael, all the Jews answered, Ashir Hashem. And that's how the whole Shira went. That's what Rabbi Akiva says. Rabbi Eliezer says that Moshe Rabbeinu said the Pasuk and they repeated the Pasuk. He said, Ashir Hashem ki and all the Jews followed. He said, and all the Jews followed. Again, Rabbi Akiva said, Moshe said it all himself. And we just said, we just said, Ashir Hashem. We said two words. Rabbi Eliezer says, the Moshe Rabbeinu said the Pasuk and we copied what he said. Rabbi Nechemia says that, and Rashi says on that, that it was a miracle. Everybody opened their mouth and the same words came out from everybody. It was Ruch HaKadosh. Everybody felt to say, at the same time. Nobody was following Moshe. Nobody was listening to Moshe. Everybody, that's what Rashi says. It was a miracle that they all said the same thing at the same time. Now, I would say, right, that Rav Nechemia is the one, he's right. Because if I tell you all to sing, let's sing to Hashem, okay? Follow me. Thank you, Hashem. Everyone goes, Amen. Hashem, you're the best. Everyone goes, Amen. You're not singing anything. I'm making up the song. You're just saying Amen. You're not singing Shira. Now, how about this? Okay, everyone's excited about Hashem. Follow me. Hashem is the best. Everyone's like I do it in, 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 in Crown Heights Yeshiva. So we have a total war. So at the end of Torah, I, I scream, two, four, six, eight, who do we appreciate Hashem, right? And then they copy me. Two, four, six, eight. That's not Shira. You're copying me. It's not coming from your heart. So really, the one that sounds like really Shira is Rav Nechemia. It all came from their heart at the same time. That's Shira. But copying what I'm saying, you're not singing. You're copying what I'm saying. So it sounds like that Rav Nechemia is, is the right one. But the answer is no. The answer is, and this is very, very beautiful. We, we know that in the Siyim, each Nasi brought the same carbon. We read it on Hanukkah, we read it by the Nasiim. Each brought the same carbon. Right, Nasi right? And why did the Torah just say, right? Say it once, and and say every Nasi brought this carbon. Why you have to keep every day, every day? Pasha's not so. First of all, it's the longest Pasha. I don't think that's the reason they did it, right? So every day, the first day says the Nasi what he brought. The second day, the next Nasi, exactly the same thing. The third day, exactly the same thing. The fourth, just say this is what was brought by all twelve Nasiim. The Torah repeats, 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 and the answer is beautiful. The answer is that every Nasi. Represented his Shevet. So when he brought a carbon for Shevet Yehuda, he had Malchus, kingdom in mind. When Yisachat said it from him, right, same carbon, but in mind he had his Kabbalah for everyone who's sitting and learning. When Zvulun said it, it's for everybody who's on the boat, all the sailors. So everybody could say thank you, you could all say thank you, but each one in your heart has a different thank you. 
When you say Moda'ani Lufanecha in the morning, we could all say Moda'ani Lufanecha in the morning, but we're all thanking Hashem for a different reason. I'm glad I'm up, I'm a Rebbe. I'm glad I'm up, I'm going to business. I'm going to help uh, support. I'm glad I'm up for whatever reason. Right? I'm glad I'm up, I'm on a trip today. I'm going on a trip today to Bear Mountains. It's a Lagba trip. Every, you know, kids, when they say Moda'ani, when I say Moda'ani, it's the same words, but we all have different meanings. When we daven, everyone daven Shemun Esrei, but everybody has different meanings. When you say, I'm thanking Hashem for one thing, he's thanking Hashem for another thing, he's thanking Hashem for another thing. It's the same words. So what he's saying over here is that when that the other two, Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Eliezer, when Moshe Rabbeinu said it, and they said a shir Hashem, each one of them, the words of Susfarachbar, Ramabayom, they had a different meaning. And when he repeated and they repeated after, even though it was the same words, each one had a different meaning. Just like if I was, I have to say right now, I want everyone to get up and say, thank you, Hashem. We're all saying the same words, but I'm thanking Hashem for something totally different than he's thanking Hashem. He's a different age. And he's thanking Hashem for something totally different. And the guy who just got married is thanking. The guy who just had kids is thanking for his kids. And the guy who's single is thanking that he understood a black tomorrow. And this one's thanking that he had a business. We're also thanking Hashem. So, all three of them are right. We don't, we don't pop, it doesn't matter which, all three of them mean that there was a certain shira that they gave to HaKadosh Baruch. Now, Chizkiyahu did not understand this. Chizkiyahu was saying that Shira, you only sing to Hashem when something unbelievable like stopping the sun happens. He didn't bring down, he, he missed Mashiach. If you guys are copying what I'm saying. He missed Mashiach. Mashiach is learning Torah in the shadow of the dung of the donkey. That he wasn't singing Shira for. He was only singing Shira, stop the sun. Then I'll sing Shira. Something unbelievable. But he wasn't singing Shira for something that he felt. Anyway, everybody's talking about it. Who cares if everyone else is talking about it? You still have to thank Hashem. Just because the king of Mitzrayim, he saw a bunch of dead soldiers. You saw Kishbaru's hand. So he missed, he missed coming down to this world and singing Shira for the Tahoim, for the things that are in the ant hole. And he brings it like a perfect example. He says, Tsam Cipher, he opened his refrigerator. If he found a bottle of milk, right? He didn't have milk so easy in those days. He would, it would be like, save it for, you know, save it for Shabbos morning. It would be like, Shabbos food. Uh, a loaf of bread, Shabbos food. It wasn't something they had, right? So he thanked Hashem, he thanked Hashem for a loaf of bread. He says, we, you open your refrigerator, right? It's after sh- it's Sunday morning. It's Sunday. Sunday night. Sunday night you have leftovers from, from, I don't know how many guys, but you have leftovers from Shabbos, right? Guy opens up his refrigerator. He's got 12 different kinds of cheeses, 14 different kinds of yogurts, right? 10 different kinds of sodas, diet, Coke diet, orange Coke, regular Coke, orange juice, pineapple juice, eight different kinds of fruits that we have today that didn't have the nectarines. They never saw nectarine in Europe. Nectarines and peaches and plums and kiwis and Elamices, you open up your refrigerator. How many times has it happened? You're looking around your refrigerator. Ma! Nothing to eat! The whole refrigerator is full. And your mother's like, what do you mean nothing to eat? Look, the whole refrigerator is full. And nobody, nothing caught my eye. Nothing caught my eye. So then you open the freezer, and you got the frozen pizza bagels, and you got all these other things, and it's not happening. It's not happening, right? And you, and you go to the candy drawer and you open that up. Epis, nothing's happening. Right? You're married. Right? And it's Sunday night. And, you know, you got the chones and the kugel, all the stuff that's left over. And the meat and the roast chicken. And every, everything that's left over is in the fridge. 
where you could have fed a European family for 35 years, you understand? And you're, you're opening up this fridge, and you're looking at everything, and you're like, darling, I think I'm going to go get myself a falafel. <laughs> and she's like, Chaim, get me one too. There's nothing here to eat. And he goes to the falafel store, and there's an uh-huh. Come to the falafel store. There's the bodeg salad, and there's the Israeli salad, and there's the sauerkraut, and there's the sour pickle. And there's the hot pepper, and there's the tahina. Mm. And then maybe you want a little tuna fish in there. And, 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 and you only gave me five falafels. I want six falafels. And give me the hot ones. And now they have whole wheat pizza, and they have regular pizza, and this kind of pizza, and lafa, and mafa. And they have all these different kinds of things. And you're walking in the store, and epis, nah, nah, nah. Nothing's making you happy, right? You're looking through the whole thing. Okay, finally, you buy two falafels. Right? You come home. You say to your wife, meanwhile, your, your refrigerator is stocked. You open up, it's like the whole thing coming. It's stocked. But you two are sitting at the table with all that stuff in the fridge. And you know what I'm talking about. Everything in the fridge? No, you have to go buy. You have to go buy falafels, right? Fine. So here you are, you're sitting, and you take your falafel, you give it to your wife. Oh my goodness, you forgot. She hates tahina. And you told the guy, plop it on, plop it on, plop it on, plop it on. And this whole thing, you know how it is? She hates it because... The bottom gets soggy, and then it leaks on her dress, and it leaks all over the place, and she hates tahina. And now she looks at you and she says, yeah, if it was your mother, you wouldn't have gotten any tahina. You remember, she don't like it, and your sister, you know, she don't like it. For me, all of a sudden you forget, let's go to the rabbi divorce. That's it. We're done. <laughs> We're done. This, this, this marriage is over. Hello, your whole refrigerator's full. Your closet's full. Right? Oh, on the sauerkraut instead of under the sauerkraut, above the sauerkraut. I mean, I brought Hashem, I have children, you know what I mean? You did it this wrong, you did it that wrong, the pizza. Oh my goodness, imagine after Pesach, after Pesach, right? You didn't have pizza for eight days. After Pesach, go on Avenue J, right? It's packed. It's packed. All the food you have left over from Pesach? It's, 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 it's chametz. <laughs> the kosher of Pesach food became chametz, and I'll have to eat it after Pesach. All those ladies' fingers, they go into the garbage, right? Chas v'shalom. The matzah, that's it. You don't eat matzah anymore. Or anything that's kosher, even though during Pesach you're like, you know the seven-layer cake, it mamish tastes like chametz, right? The minute Pesach's over, ugh, that's cardboard. I wouldn't touch that, right? Same, same cake, right? So everybody runs to the pizza shop. Listen, listen to the comments in the pizza shop. Get online and listen to the comments. I can't believe it. It's mamish raw. The dough is raw, you know, because they can't let it sit, whatever it is. So the people, as they're walking out, the thing is steaming. You haven't smelled pizza, right? The cheese is dripping. And they're fetching that the dough is raw. So it's an interesting thing because it says parnasa is as hard as kriyas yamsuf. And zivug is as hard as kriyas yamsuf. Because to give shira for opening your refrigerator and having food... Who in this room ever gave shira for that? Who ever sang shira to Hashem when they opened up their fruit bin and there's five different colors of fruit and five different kinds of fruit? Or there's ten different sodas? Who ever sang shira for that? That was Chitzkiyo's mistake. You'll sing shira if you put one orange in the fridge and you open up this 30 oranges. A nice, a miracle. For that, Hashem, I'll sing shira. But that I should have oranges in the refrigerator? Uh-uh. That was his mistake. His mistake was 
that he only was going to sing Shira for the big monstrous things from Shemayim. But the regular things, the regular day, opening a refrigerator, because we're not happy. When, the, more there are, the more there is in the refrigerator, the harder it is. Walk through a supermarket. Now there's a new supermarket that's going to open. I think it's called Pomegranate. I heard in the, in the, I heard, I'm not sure if it's true, that they're going to have carts, right, with a computer on it. I'm serious. And let's say you want Hadar tomato ketchup. You'll punch in Hadar ketchup, and it will tell you, like a satellite in your car, it will, no, that's not a joke, it will tell you aisle four, section B, second shelf. It'll tell you exactly where it is. You don't even have to go up and down the aisles anymore. You just punch it in like your car, an address, and it'll tell you exactly where it is. A hello? And how many aisles are going to be in there? And how much frozen food? Boys, 200 years ago, there was no such thing as frozen food. There were no freezers. Nothing lasted more than two days. You can keep stuff in your freezers. There's ice cream and stuff in your freezers and ice. And there's air conditioners. When's the last time someone in this room sang Shira Tashem on a 95 degree day driving in his car to the mountains, right? And it's blowing and it's cold in the car and your wife's complaining it's too cold in the car. When, when my, when I was born 50 years ago, they didn't have air conditioning in the car. I remember my father was a big man because he got the first car in Muncie, probably, that had air conditioning. didn't have air conditioning. You opened your windows. You went up to the mountain on Route 17. It was one lane, and you sat there, and you schwitzed. And you, went, you had a towel around your neck when you drove because you schwitzed. When was the last guy? Some guy got out of a car and said, Hashem, thank you, Hashem, that there's air conditioning in my car, that there's air conditioning in my, in my house, that I can turn on running water. How old is running water? And, and I went to Russia 15 years ago. I went to uh, Belarusia. And I went out of Minsk about an hour. And we went to a village. I was going to, to, I was going to a, a plastic factory. And we stopped by a village. And the only telephone in the whole village was in the post office. They had one telephone for the whole village in the post office. And you had to wait a line in the post office to get to that telephone. And I had to go to the bathroom, which was in an outhouse, and it was freezing. And the water, you had to pump out of the ground. Didn't have running water. 15 years ago, in Belarusia. In America, you turn on the faucet, you turn on the shower, you let the shower run for 45 minutes before you even walk in. It's got to get hot, it's got to get foggy, it's got to get a zillion, it has to be perfect, you know what I mean? The whole thing. Then you're in there for 45, right? People don't even have water, they don't even have running water. When the last time you came out of a shower and said, Shira Takarjibaruch. So that was, that's what's going to bring Mashiach. What's going to bring Mashiach is singing Shira, not by a Kriyas Yamstuf, not by the sun stopping, but in the, in the, in the shadow of a donkey, in opening a refrigerator, in turning on your air conditioning, in turning on your heat. You turn on your heat, the house is warm. They used to have a, a thing in the middle, anyone who was in Europe knows this, my father used to say they had an oven, one oven, in the middle of the house. 
And that's where you, st- that's where you slept the whole night. You, you got up, you smelled from wood. You smelled from the, not only that, some towns only had one, the, the whole blech, the whole, the whole thing about cooking on Shabbos, whatever it is. They used to bring all their chillins and all their food to one house because there was one house in the whole town that had an oven. That had a freestanding oven in the middle of the house. You can see what those ovens look like. We're so spoiled. But because we're so spoiled, because we have so much, we can sing Shira where nobody ever sang Shira before. And therefore, that's how Mashiach, that was, that was his mistake. He could have been Mashiach. But he felt, stopping the sun, but this, I don't need to, I don't need to thank Hashem for this. This is not a big deal for God. And it's just the opposite. Nothing's a big deal for God. But it's a big deal for us. And we need to show appreciation. And that was Chizkiyahu's mistake. Okay. So I want to go a little bit into, um, he was, he was saying a very, um, cute story. He was saying that, um, which I know is true. Rashim Shimpinka said, so he, um, he used to live in B'nai Brak in a three-room apartment. And he was moving to Ofakim in the, in the, in the desert. And he told his friend, he's moving, his friend offered to take him in a little truck. In a little truck, he said, I need a little truck. What do I have already? Uh, I don't have much. So his friend came the next day in a huge moving truck. So he said to his friend, what are you crazy? I don't have much of this world. His friend said, I move people. You'll see already. He said, it was amazing when my farm wall came out and the dishwasher came out and the beds came out and when the truck was full. He said, the person doesn't know what they have. They don't appreciate what they had. He said, I, I, was, I was going was beyond myself. Any of you guys, if you had to move, you, if your house, if you had to move, I moved twice. I, 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 it's true. It's true. You think, ah, I have my pillow, my blanket. No, I need a little seat of truck. Buy a couple of beds. And, and, right? You have so much stuff. Go into your closet tonight. Go into your closet. They used to own one suit. One suit. If you were a rich man, you had a special suit for, suit for Shabbos. And one suit. Go into your closet. Go into my closet. I have two, three hundred ties. They had one tie if they had one tie. And my whole problem is which tie do I wear? Da, 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 right? So did I ever think Shia Kashbarku? He gave me two hundred ties, a hundred ties, five pairs of shoes, six suits. That's what's going to bring Mashiach, boys. What's going to bring Mashiach is the Mikim and Afadol. It's the things on the on the on the ground level, things on the low level. But that we need to see, we want to bring Mashiach, we need to sing Shira, we need to appreciate what HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us. And we don't, and we don't. And that was, that was his, his, his mistake. And therefore it says, Kolo Shira Anyone who sings Shira in this world, Zaycha Shira Haba, he'll be able to sing Shira in the next world. We should all be Zaycha, I'm not finished, but we should all be Zaycha. <laughs> To sing Shira in this world, boys. Because if you sing Shira in this world, then Akash Baruch will, will want you to sing Shira in the next world. And that's why he says, it's interesting, he says, that's why it's kosher, Parnassah kekriyas yamsuf. It's hard to see your Parnassah like a kriyas yamsuf. That's how he translates it. It's hard to see that having six different cheeses and ten different fruits in my refrigerator is as great as kriyas yamsuf. <coughs> That's what he said. It's as hard to see that your parnasas kikriyasam. It's hard to see your wife, right, and say, I appreciate this miracle that Hashem gave me a woman that I could get along with, that could help me bring up my family, I, to appreciate that as much as kriyasam. Who appreciates their wife? Who appreciates their wife? They take their wife for granted. So he says, kosher, 
It's very hard. Zivug. It's very hard to appreciate her like a Kriyasiyatif. Sure, Hashem Kriyasiyatif I appreciate. That I'm married? Big deal. Big deal. You know, guys walking around. Misery loves company. That's why I got married. You know? <laughs> That's why I got married. Chas v'shalom. To have a zivug, to have a woman that makes you whole, that brings you children, that makes a family. He says, but we're so used to it, we're so used to it, that we take it for granted that he says, zivug is as hard as Kriyas Yamsuf. It's hard to realize that a zivug is as great as Kriyas Yamsuf. And just like you have to sing Shira there, you have to sing Shira. And every zivug sings its own, sings its, uh, even though each one's saying, thank you, every zivug sings its own Shira. And every time you see a fruit or a flower or whatever it is, and you say, thank you, Hashem, that's your Shira. That's your private Shira to HaKadosh Baruch So, I want to just talk about David HaMelech, and, and, and we'll end with that. Okay, he says like this. David HaMelech, and we're just going to start with David HaMelech tonight. Let me explain to you for a moment where David HaMelech comes from. So, there was a bracha given in Rus, which we're going to read on Shavuos. At the end of Rus, so the people there gave her a bracha that she should be like Rachel and Leah. If you give me a Rus, I'll read it for you inside. That was a bracha, a very weird bracha. Rus was pregnant. Rus was pregnant. We'll use both. And... They gave her a bracha that you should be like Rachel and Leah. And the kasha that's asked is why Rachel and Leah? What happened to Sarah and Rivka? Why Rachel and Leah, Sarah and Rivka came before Rachel and Leah? It's a very good question. And it's a very interesting bracha. What does that mean? You should be like Rachel and Leah. So I want to read you something very, very fascinating. It should be right here. Megillus Esther. What's in the back? We we'll get a little bit of an understanding who David Amalek was. Okay, Hellas, you got it. Come on, you're supposed to be faster than that. Okay, Russ, here we are. Keep going, keep looking. Okay. So it says the following. But Tomarna. Alright, all the people that were in the gate said, Yitin Hashem as the Isha Habal Beisecha to Boaz. Hashem should give you this woman who's coming to your house, Kirachal Ukhaleya. Like Rachel Ukhaleya, Hashem Banushtayim as Beis Yisrael, they built the Beis Yisrael, they had the 12 Shvatim. What's this bracha? When you give a bracha, whatever comes out of your mouth, you have to be careful what comes out of your mouth. What's this bracha? It should be Rachel Ukhaleya. So first of all, we have to know where Rus came from. Rus came from, which we're going, to, we're going to talk about it. 
they they thought they were saving the world. They were Takatsadekistas, Lord's daughters. They thought they were saving the world. They looked out of the cave. The world was burning. There was nothing going on. They thought they were the only ones left. They slept with their father. Each one had a child. And one had Moab and one had Ammon. Moab was where Rus came from. Now, the gave of Baruch should be like Rachel and Leah. What happened by Rachel and Leah? By Rachel and Leah, there was a switch. Yaakov thought it was Rachel, it was really Leah. Okay. This is the bracha they gave her. What happened with Yishai? Yishai was David Amelech's father. It's very important. Yishai was David Amelech's father. Yishai had seven sons. There was a very big machlokas in Klai Yisrael from the time of Boaz and Rus, whether when the Torah says you're not allowed to marry from Moab, it means female and male, or it only means male. Boaz paskin, that only means male, therefore... It's Moaviv or Moavia. He was allowed to marry Rus. But they were tumbling for generations, if that's true. Isha had seven sons, and they came to him and they said, Listen, you come from this whole thing. We're not so sure that Boaz was allowed to marry Rus because she was a Moavia. You have to separate from your wife. You're not allowed to be with a regular Jewish woman because you come from this whole thing, and we're not so sure that it's the right thing. So after having seven children, he separated from his wife. And he felt, he felt, you know, he, he separated from her. And she felt very bad. So he was given his shifcha, his maidservant, because since he was a Shiloh in his yichus as a Jew, that he could marry his shifcha. Yishai never sinned in his life. Yishai was a tzaddik. Yishai was on the highest level. Yishai's wife said to herself, I'm going to let my husband be with the maidservant? No. So she went to the maidservant and she said, I will pay you whatever you want. We're going to do a switch. And tonight when you get married, I'm going to make believe I'm you. You disappear. And that way I'll be with my husband, right, instead of you. And she became pregnant that night with Dabana Malach. They gave her a bracha. She should be like Rachel and Leah. The bracha was Mekayim. Exactly what happened to Rachel and Leah happened with Yishai and his wife. She switched with the Shifcha. She became pregnant with Dabar HaMelech. Now, Yishai never knew that this happened. He thought he was with the Shifcha. His wife was separated from him. All of a sudden, his wife is pregnant. Means, and she wasn't divorced. Means, since he was never with her again, as far as he knew, means that his wife went out and committed adultery. She was still married to him. She's pregnant. I, he was never with her. Means that this child came from another man. Child's a mamzer. Mamzer So when she became pregnant, the other brother said, the brothers, a little bit like by Yosef HaTzadik, the brothers said, out. We can't, he's called a cherpa. He's a disgrace to the family. He's a mamzer. What did Hashem do? For whatever reason, Dabar Melech was born a redhead. They were all dark black here. He was born a redhead. So they said, it's a raya, it's a proof that he came from a different father. He's red. So he's for sure a mamza. There was no question. And they took him, and they put him in the desert, in Beis Lechem. They put him out in Beis Lechem, and nobody was to know about it. Disappeared, have a good life. Finished. He was considered a mamza. And it says how much he suffered, David HaMelech. We can, no one in this room can even understand. Imagine your own family calling you a mamzer, 
having nothing to do with you and putting you out in the desert. Okay, maybe some of you guys have heard something like that, but I don't know, <laughs> whatever. But they didn't put you in the desert. Anyway, so put them in the desert. And not only that, that any time there was a robbery in Beis Lechem, they would blame it on the redhead Mamzer from the desert, who no one knew, who no one trusted, some guy, right? And it says that David HaMelech, instead of causing a whole situation, would pay the people that the stuff was stolen from, even though he didn't steal from it. He didn't steal it. That was David HaMelech. That's who he was. Okay? So we have to understand where David HaMelech came from. Now, you would think that he needs a therapist. He definitely has low self-esteem. His family threw him out. They definitely didn't let him into yeshiva. Right? He was excommunicated from his family, from Judaism, from, from Klai Yisrael, and finito. But what I've been talking about for eight years, ten years, in this Chabura, is that a person has no Bechira, who you're born, what, how you're born, what family, who your parents are, what yeshiva you went to as a kid, what you look like, all that stuff, you don't have Bechira. David HaMelech had no Bechira. He came to the world a redhead, from something that looked like very illegitimate, as much as his mother would have told Yishai it wasn't her, with the shifra, they wouldn't believe her. Why would they believe her? Right? So we had a choice. I'm a mamzer. I'm a ganav. They called me every single name. Have a nice life, all of you. I'm out of here. Instead, in the desert, he was an Ayyad Hashem. He not only didn't steal, but he paid back stuff that was stolen that he didn't even steal. And he became a Dawan Amelach. And the same thing with Moshe Rabbeinu. And the same thing with Yosef Atzadik. I'm sorry, guys. That's why I'm tough. And that's why some guys don't like me. Because I don't have pity. Because you don't grow from pity. Yes, you can go to therapy, and it's not your fault. And you could kill a hundred people, it's not your fault. It's your mother's fault. It's your Rebbe's fault. It's your genes. It's, uh, you were born that way. It's the world. No. Because the three greatest people in Kleinsroh were sold by their brother, thrown into the desert by their brothers, thrown into the desert by Klaisro, Moshe Rabbeinu, belittled, disconnected, and they ended up being the three, Yosef HaTzadik, Moshe Rabbeinu, and Dabar HaMelech. So if I'm going to have Rachmanis on you, and I'm going to say, oh, you poor boy, and you poor baby, and I understand, and you're Nebuchal, and, and, and oh, we're going to be so nice to you, and you smoke on Shabbos, oh my God, you smoke on Shabbos, we're going to take you to Israel, and we're going to take you to the Rockies, and we're going to buy you a car, and how many suits do you want, and come to my house, we're going to drink Blue Label. <laughs> no. No, we're not going to make a Dabar HaMelech out of you, and we're not going to make a Yosef HaTzadik out of you, and we're not going to make a Moshe Rabbeinu out of you, we're going to make a Nebuch out of you. So I don't come from that school of thought. And to my surprise, you guys come back every week to get beaten up. I don't know why, but that's how you grow. So Dabar HaMelech is the greatest lesson in the world. Let me tell you something. There was a, there was a, 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 a whole thing in Shemayim because Nebuchadnezzar got up and sang Shirat. You have to see this Gemara. Nebuchadnezzar, the Russia, the terrible Russia who destroyed the base of Midrash, got up and sang Shirat Hashem. And the Malachim said to Hashem that as beautiful as David HaMelech's Tehillim and Shira is, Nebuchadnezzar's Shira is more beautiful. It's a Gemara. And it was true. <coughs> Nebuchadnezzar sang to Hashem when he finished capturing the world a Shira that was never heard ever, 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 ever again. Ever again. 
And the Malachim came to Hashem and said, Dovra Melech, to heal him. You got to hear this Shira from the Bukhanetzah. And it was a very dangerous point for us. Because if that was true, we were finished. The Malach Michal, who's our, protect, our protector, went down to the world and immediately kicked the Bukhanetzah very hard. And the Bukhanetzah fell in pain. And when he fell in pain, he began to curse Hashem. So he came back to Shemayim. It's a Neudeka Gemara voice. And he said to the Bezin of Shemayla, he said, sure he sang Shira better than Davon HaMelech when he captured the whole world. But what does he sing when he's in pain? He curses HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What did Davon HaMelech do when he was in pain? He wrote to Hillam. Sure, when something's going good, anybody can write better than Davon HaMelech. But when a person's in pain... That's the true Shira. When you're sitting in the shadow of the Hamar's dung and you're singing Shira to Hashem in America in the middle of all the filth and you're saying, thank you Hashem for my food and thank you Hashem Amazon, and you're saying Ashiyotza when you come out of the bathroom and you're learning Torah in the, in the shadow of the dung of the donkey. That's Mashiach's time. Because you missed the boat. You should have sang Shira. It was too small for you. It wasn't great enough for you. Everybody else knew about it already. Everyone's Shira is different. You would have been Mashiach, that would have been Goyg Magai, but you missed it. And that's what a person has to know. And that's Elokus. That's godliness. Mitzvah Hashem, the next year, we're going to learn about Dabar HaMelech going against the big giant, the famous story, to understand how he went against such a giant, coming from where he came, when his other brothers and Shoal who was a warrior. And all of Klai Israel turned around when they saw Goliath. And they said, nobody in the world can destroy this giant. And they were right. Because Arpa, when she walked away from the army, her reward for staying with the army was that she would have a child that would come from her that would be a giant that nobody in the world would be able to destroy. And that was Goliath, except one person. The one person who the girl never left Arpa, never left the army, which was Rus. Dovod Melech, not knowing, was the only human being in the world that could kill Goliath. Because Arpa and Rus stayed with Naomi, and they both got rewarded, but Arpa left, and Naomi stayed. Uh, Arpa left, and Rus stayed. Therefore, the, the, the children of Rus had a bigger power than the children of Arpa, so there was no one else in Klyasrol that could have killed Goliath. Dabar Melech didn't know that. We have to go into and understand, because it's all of us, there's a Dabar Melech in all of us. We have to go and understand, where did this kid come from? He was very short, right? He came as a little kid against a warrior that the whole Klyasrol, Shevet Yehuda, everyone was scared to go up against him. And this kid had something from the desert, from getting close to Akash Baruch Hu, that he was able to take Goliath down. But that's, that's for a different day. So I just want to end an amazing story. An amazing, amazing story that I believe is brought down in the Gemara. It's an amazing story, and I, I want you to understand who your God is. I want you to understand what godliness is, and this is a very big connection to what I'm telling you. Take me from the dirt. Take me from the broken person and make me into a prince. So there was a, a very bad king. His name was Menashe. Very bad king. In his day, the opposite of Chizkiyo, there wasn't a house that didn't have an Avodah Every house had an Avodah by the door. He destroyed Klaishro. He took every kid out of Yeshiva and he put him into Catholic school. He destroyed us. 
Everyone was an Oyved Avodah Zarah. He put a, uh, I think, he, if I'm not mistaken, he put an Avodah Zarah in the base of Megdash. The lowest of the low of Menashe. The king of Bavel captured him and put him in a pot of boiling water to boil him to death. He was a Jewish king. And the king of Bavel, in front of his whole Babylonian empire, this guy, this Jew, didn't matter to him or not, going to boil him to death. The chutzpah of this Menashe, he's, sitting, he's standing in this pot, right? And he begins to cry out to all of the Avodah All of the Avodah Right? All the different search engines, Yahoo, all the different search engines on the internet. My face! Your space! Help me! Please help me! Microsoft, help me! Yahoo, help me! Google, help! Google! Google! Help me! Everybody help me! Try every internet search engine you could find to get out of that pot. Then he started calling 50 Cent help me, and this guy help me, and that guy help me. Every single rapper you could imagine he was calling help me. That didn't work. Then he started calling casinos. That didn't help. Nothing helped. He called all his friends and all his buddies, all his every television show that he knew. He was screaming every show, help me! In the movies, Spider-Man helped me. Some Iron Man, Tin Man, all these guys. Help me! Come on, I read comics for Archie helped me. Somebody help me! Right? Screaming. Three Stooges, Alec. Anybody help me, right? What's his name? Harry Potter helped me! He can do anything, right? Didn't work. You know, put on the ring. The return of the king. Something. Epis. Something. Anyone help me. Tolkien. Anybody. He started calling out the Gemara says every Avaidizora that he knew. And he knew a lot. Like like the like the Nevi'e Baal by Eliyahu Navi. It says when they were screaming for their Avaidizora to send down the fire, there was blood running out of their eyes. He was screaming in the pot. This Avaidizora, this Every Everybody should help me. No help. Of course, they're all Avaidizora. The chutzpah, the chutzpah, he turned to Hashem after everything he did. And he pointed to Shemayim and he said, Yud Kei Hashem, the God of Yisrael. Ooh, all of a sudden he became a believer, right? If you don't save me, then what I've said all my life that you don't exist is true. That's what he said. If you don't save me, then everything I've said in my life about you that you don't exist is true. Says the Gemara, that the Malachim ran to the Kisei Kavod, and they said, Hashem, you're not saving him. And they built a wall in front of the Kisei Kavod that Menashe's tefillah, that Hashem should save him, would not go through. The Gemara says. So the Gemara... HaKadosh Baruch Hu dug a tunnel under his Kisar Kavod. He dug a tunnel under his throne all the way down to the pot where he, Menashe was in. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu pulled him out of the pot and brought him to Yerushalayim and saved his life. And the Malachim said, we knew, you'd, we knew it. We tried to stop it. We knew you would do it. So they asked Akash. Two Kashas. Number one, what was he saying, Menashe? His whole life he said Hashem doesn't exist. 
His whole life, he said, it's the internet that counts. It's the money that counts. It's the car. It's all his endeavors are. It's the plasma 45, 90 inch television, right? And you can watch four games at one time. That's what, that's life. There's no God. That's what life is, right? That's what life is. His whole life. So, what's this last minute plea here? What is he saying to Hashem? What's the challenge? He should have said, Hashem, I'm sorry. Chotasi. I realize it. Save me. Oh, he threatened God. He said, if you don't save me, the whole thing's a bluff. You don't exist. Meshuggah, are you crazy? This point, the water's boiling. Beg! Beg Hashem, save me! Instead, he challenges Hashem. And it says, it was brilliant what he did. If he would have begged, he wouldn't have been saved. He would have boiled. Because he challenged Hashem, he was saved. And the second question is, Hashem, why did you save him? Why'd you save him? He's oh, dead by Zari. He deserves to die. Mm-hmm. Teretz is amazing. Teretz is, is, is how I opened the Chabura tonight. Teretz is that what was Menashe saying to Hashem? He, he's talking, was brilliant. He said to Hashem like this. He said, if a person could be so bad that you're so angry at him that you can't, that you Hashem can't save him because he's so bad, then you're not God. Because God can do anything. And if there's something you can't do, then you're not, then you don't exist. And therefore, I am so bad, if you're saying that I am so bad that you can't save me, then you're not God. That's what Menashe was saying. So Kosh answered, there's nobody in this world that could be so bad that I can't save. Because I'm not great, I'm God. I can go into the ant hole, and I could save a Menashe. Therefore, what Menashe was saying, he wasn't davening to Hashem. He was saying, prove to me that there's no one in this world that is so bad that you won't forgive. Because if there is someone in this world that is so bad that God can't forgive them, that means there's something in this world that you can't do. And if there's something you can't do, you're not God. No, you dick. Brilliant. Hashem said, I have to save him. Because I'm God. And there's nothing you could do so bad that I won't save you. And that's what we're going to bring Mashiach. And that's what everyone needs to know. Everyone needs to know not to listen to the Sultan and say, you did this wrong and you did that wrong and you did this wrong and therefore you're disconnected from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu can't connect with you because you're such a bad boy, then there is no HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Then there is no God. Then he's not God. If you could be so bad that he can't connect with you, and Hamashbili, he can't, he can't keep me off a dull. He can't go into the dirt and pull you out. If you can be that bad that he can't pull you out, then there's no God. Then he's not God. Therefore, Hashem can save anybody. Hashem can save everybody. And therefore, what the Gemara is saying, the Nevius, is that when it comes to the time of Mashiach, you know where we're going to be? We're going to be in the shadow of the dung of a donkey. But since he's God. Even in the shadow of the dung of a donkey, we can learn Torah. He'll be there to help us learn Torah, because if we learn Torah, even one person in Brooklyn, in the lowest place, in the worst place in the world, Kishboku says, I'll come, and I will bench you, and I will give you a bracha. Everyone should have a bracha, everyone should be get benched, we should all be zaycha, and a Kishboku should, if he has to dig a hole under the Kisei whatever he's got to do, he should come and get us, and pull us out of this, 
and he should bring us back to be princes in the days of Mashiach. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.